1: what's up everybody we got a special episode today the nets have officially made the playoffs and we're hype about it we hope you're hype about it we're gonna get into that in the rest of the episode but first let's get to the official intro what's up everybody i'm
2: Najee adams and i'm hunter jacob
1: and you're listening to the playoff edition of the hoop ball nets podcast So yeah, like we said, or you probably already know, the Nets are in the playoffs. Um, We decided to record at the end of the season, so we could basically just wrap it all up in one nice little bow. So uh, that's why we didn't record right when they uh, beat the Pacers and made the playoffs. But here we are. We hope all of you are as excited as we are. We have a pretty packed episode today. It honestly might be our longest episode yet. Don't know, but uh, we hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get into everything... Make sure you guys subscribe to the Hoopball Nets podcast on iTunes. You can look up Brooklyn Nets. You can look up Hoopball Nets. We come up either way. Press that subscribe button. Leave a rating. Leave a five-star rating and leave a review. All reviews are getting read on the podcast. Shout out to Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company for sponsoring this podcast and every other Hoopball podcast. You can find them on Twitter at Hi Kona Coffee. H-I-K-O-N-A, Coffee. Look them up on Amazon, Amazing Coffee. Go check them out. And uh, lastly, make sure you guys go follow us on Twitter at HoopBallNets. You should know how to spell it, but if you don't, HoopBallNets. No spaces. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. So uh, this episode, we're really just going to be going through um, the the last three games the Nets played. Uh, we're going to quickly touch on Magic Johnson's comments on D'Angelo Russell Uh talk about the, all what's happening in the NBA across the entire landscape, uh, and then really get into the Nets making the playoffs, and lastly, give our playoff predictions for the entire NBA. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. So, the first game the Nets played was against the Bucs on Saturday, April 6th, and uh, it was their third to final game, and they managed to beat the Bucks without Giannis Antetokounmpo.
2: But still probably their most important win of the season cuz this this win almost locked in playoffs for them. It was looking good after they got this win.
1: Yeah, one of the key things that we said they were going to have to do is win at least two or not, at least two out of their last three games and they managed to do that. I'm def- we're aware, we're definitely aware that uh the Bucks not playing Giannis helped them out a ton, but uh, a win's a win. So. And
2: no Brogden and Meritage from injuries, so it's a very short-handed Bucks. But. The
1: Nets did let the Bucks shoot fifty-six percent from the field. Basically, they shot fifty-five point seven percent and uh, forty-seven point one percent from the three-point line, while the Nets only shot forty-nine point five percent from the field and forty-two point two percent from the three-point line. The Nets did win the turnover battle, fourteen to ten, and they did. When the offensive rebound battle 12-6, to while the two teams tied at 43 rebounds. So the Nets had a 15-point lead at one point in this game, and there was 11 lead changes. It was close. The, the Bucks really took control of the game in the beginning of the game. The Nets turned the tides halfway through the first, and then it was just basically back and forth until the Nets really pulled away uh, halfway through the fourth quarter. Um, on to the box score. So we'll start with the Bucks. Chris Middleton um and chris middleton and eric Bledsoe really had to carry the load with the bucks sitting out a good amount
2: of their players chris middleton is the only bucks starter that did not rest their last game of the season he did not play that much but guys like tim frazier played 48 minutes in their last a game a fan of the favorite
1: bonzi colson
2: yeah in this game bonzi <laughs> colson did not see the court Chris Middleton played 29 minutes,
1: scored 24 points on 9-of-18 shooting. He was 2-of-7 from the three-point line and added four rebounds, three assists, and a steal.
2: DJ Wilson who had and Sterling Brown, who were both some hot pickups down the stretch with their extended run with Giannis sitting and Miritich hurt, only combined for 16 points on 7-of-14 shooting. It was an okay game for them, not their best. If you guys hear that motorcycle in the background,
1: please excuse us because we live uh, right outside of a. Uh, we live on a college campus, of course, so we can't really control what happens outside of it. So if you heard it, just excuse it. Um, Brooke Lopez, 29 minutes. I was honestly shocked that he played in this game because he's like a real veteran player. So I didn't. I, and honestly, I don't think the Bucks really wanted to beat the Nets. I don't think they really cared enough to beat the Nets. They uh, Brook Lopez played 29 minutes, seven points on two of eight shooting, added eight rebounds and an assist. And uh, Eric Bledsoe, he really went all out for this one. 32 minutes, 33 points on 12 of 17 He has shooting. played
2: really well against the Nets this season. I feel like every time they play, Eric Bledsoe is the guy to destroy them.
1: Yeah, I mean Eric Bledsoe's not bad. I mean,
2: yeah, we had this conversation last yeah. time. He should have been the all-star over Middleton.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I I thought you were going to say D'Angelo Russell, but no. yeah, definitely over Chris Middleton. Um Bledsoe was five or six from the three point line, had eleven assists, two steals, four rebounds, and also four turnovers, but it was a good game nonetheless. On to the Nets. Um no one really played amazing outside of D'Angelo Russell and Karis Levert. D'Lo, 32 minutes, 25 points on 10 of 15 shooting with 10 assists and three turnovers and two steals. And, uh, whoa, cap- whoa, 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 whoa. Let me not forget about Jared Dudley. My man had 23, <laughs> 23 minutes, 16 points on four of eight shooting, two of four from the three-point line, six of six from the free-throw line, six rebounds, one assist, two steals. Once again, the best Jared on the Nets, the best Jared on the court, <laughs> Because uh, Jared Allen only had uh, 10 points on 4-4 four shooting in 12 minutes, 7 okay, rebounds.
2: So his stats were amazing for 12 minutes. I want to know why he played 12 minutes.
1: Yeah, uh, we, we've, we've uh, seen some of you guys' criticisms that we're a little hard on Jared Allen. I don't, I don't want to say that we're... Okay, yeah, we're definitely hard on Jared Allen. It's not that we think he's trash or anything.
2: I do not believe that he is the type of player that will progress into a perennial all-star. I believe he will consistently be a slightly above average center for years to come. He, There are some things in his game that can't be improved, like his hands. That's just, you have to be born ready to catch the ball. You're not gonna develop the skill of catching the ball. He drops the ball a lot, and his footwork is lacking. He could work on that. That can get better but I will not backtrack on the fact that I believe his hype train was a little premature, over the top for what I see his career actually turning out to be. Um. With that being said, I stand by my statement that Jared Dudley was the best Jared on the court. And and, oh, one more thing about Jared Dudley, too. Our main emphasis on Jared Dudley... Was that he was not a starter. We never wanted him to start. And if he played off the bench. It had to be minimal minutes. Because we thought he wasn't making an impact. He has proven us wrong on that part over the I would Last be the first one to say games. I would be
1: the first one to say Jared Dudley proved us wrong. Without a I, shadow I of will a doubt. I would
2: still say I don't think he should start, but his bench minutes have been solid, and I believe he does belong playing on the bench next to Ed Davis.
1: I tweeted out during the Pacers game that he just does things that no one else on the Nets roster can, and it's simply due to his experience. And that's such a valuable piece to have on a championship roster and i feel like that's an important piece to have on this nets team where this team is so young. And had it not been for Jared Dudley, i don't know if i can confidently say the nets will make the playoffs. And that's not something i think I, that's not something i would have thought i'd be saying 2 months ago. Um Caris LeVert, 25 minutes, 24 points on 9 of 12 shooting, 4 of 5 from the three point line, two rebounds, six assists, two turnovers and uh thankfully he is actually coming around at the perfect time, right before the playoffs hit. And uh, if Karras LeVert can beat Karis LeVert in the NBA playoffs, then I think the Nets have a great shot to make some noise. But we'll get to that later.
2: And if you did not know, Alan Crabbe is officially out for the entire season, playoffs included. So no more Alan Crabbe in the Nets rotation this season.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Poor Alan. On to the Pacers game. Uh, this was the game that clinched the Nets, the playoff spot, and they basically dominated they, all throughout.
2: They were hungry, the Pacers were not. The Pacers had a playoff spot locked up, the Nets didn't. The Nets showed that they wanted that playoff spot.
1: And I, I don't know if this came out or not, but I don't know if they knew whether or not they were playing to clinch while the game was going on.
2: The Well, D'Angelo Russell didn't know that yeah, they were he in the playoffs know. until after the game. Like, he didn't know it was official. He knew in the post-game interview after they said, now it's your first time in the playoffs. So,
1: that just goes to show you that, like, they they wanted it so bad. And you could tell the Nets' biggest lead of the game was 18. The Pacers' biggest lead of the game was 1. And it was right in the middle of the first quarter. And they never led a single time other than that. Um the Nets actually shot worse than the Pacers. They shot 45.5% from the field and 30.6% from the three-point line.
2: But once again, the Nets won offensive rebounds 17 to 5, which is a huge reason why they were able to shoot worse and still win.
1: Yeah, and they all, and they the total rebound battle, the Nets won 52 to 33. On to the box score. We'll start with Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving yet again, 27 minutes. 18 points on 7 of 16 shooting. Not the most efficient game, but still 44% from the field. 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and uh, 2 steals. So, I would say this is a great game from Karras yet again. Um, D'Angelo Russell, 29 minutes, 20 points, 7 of 15 shooting, 1 of 4 from the 3-point line, 5 of 5 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, and a block. Jared Allen, 12 points on 6 of 10 shooting, 28 minutes, which is great to see. Seven rebounds, uh, steal, and a block. And then, uh, yeah, Joe Harris, old reliable. And the official
2: three-point three champion percentage-wise in the NBA this season.
1: Exactly. If you guys didn't know, Joe Harris led the league in three-point percentage.
2: So uh, that's great to see. uh, We started calling him Old Reliable early in the season, so I think we called that one. I think we uh,
1: get credit for that one. We called that one. Old Reliable played a team-high 30 minutes, 19 points on 7 of 11 shooting, 4 of 7 from the
2: 3-point line, 4 rebounds, and 2 assists. I would like to mention that Rodion's corrupt has been playing terrible down the stretch. Uh, he does make an impact with his length, like he had four offensive rebounds in this game, but he has been shooting the ball terribly. Hopefully, he can start taking better shots when it comes to the playoffs and making his shots, but regardless, his impact is important.
1: On to the Pacers. Actually, no, I want to agree with what you're saying about Rodion's crooks, and I also want to ask the question, do you think he's going to make an all-rookie team?
2: Probably. I believe he'll be on the all-rookie second team. Yeah, he'll probably be on the all-rookie second team. Although, there is a huge amount of good rookies this season.
1: Yeah, this was a, a great class. And, oh, so do I think he'll make it? Well,
2: the first team, no doubt, is Doncic, Trey Young, A.M. Bagley, Jackson, I guess. Or does he not qualify? I don't know what the rules are because he got hurt for the season. Um. So yeah, I
1: would honestly say Rodion Skuruk's could make the second team because he did for a good stretch of the season. He was pretty reliable, so I would say I that believe they gave he'll him the be night. on it with like Mikael Bridges maybe. Yeah. Um, on to the Indiana Pacers box score. They really didn't do much. Uh, Thaddeus Young had 16 points in 25 minutes on 8 of 10 shooting, with two rebounds and four assists. And uh, Demonte Sabonis had. 17 points and 30 minutes on 8 of 12 shooting to go, around, to go along with 12 rebounds. So, uh, the Pacers disappointed this game.
2: Do you believe that Miles Turner should win Defensive Player of the Year? Which is what everyone's what? been pushing for. Because he's led the league in opponent field goal percentage at the rim. And he is at the top of the league in blocks per game as well.
1: I don't think that there's a single chance that Miles Turner wins Defensive Player of the Year. Should he? No. Will he? No. I don't <laughs> care that he leads the league in blocks. I don't care that whatever you just said, his opponent field goal percentage is high or Those something like that. Those are
2: things that had Gobert at the top.
1: That's great. That's, that's incredible. But there's not a chance that Miles Turner wins Defensive Player of the Year.
2: He's underappreciated. Okay, he that's,
1: is. that's fair. He is underappreciated. Is he Defensive Player of the Year, though? He, definitely he be. not.
2: He should be. It's a good reason why they didn't get bumped from the playoffs when Oladipo went down. You think Miles Turner is the defensive player of the year? It's definitely between him and Gobert, but if he's not in the top three, there's a problem.
1: Okay, but who's the defensive player of the year? Rudy Gobert. I could
2: see it go both ways, but there's I'm no, okay with I don't Miles think, Turner. I, getting I don't
1: it. think there's a single chance that Miles Turner wins defensive player of the year. I don't know why. I just can't see him winning it. Like, I just feel like he's not, he, he doesn't have the, the stature to win it yet. Like, he doesn't have the reputation to win Defensive Player of the Year yet. Um, but, yeah, that's the Pacers game. We're not really going to talk too much about the Heat game because it was more of a celebration of Dwayne Wade's last game than it was anything else. And uh, with that being said, Uh, The Nets did win 113-94, and uh, Dwayne Wade notched a triple-double in the final game of his career, 25 points in 36 minutes on 10 of 28 shooting. He was 3 of 13 from the three-point line. He had 11 rebounds and 10 assists. It was the fifth triple-double of his entire career.
2: My favorite part of the night is that his triple-double was an assist to Udonis Haslam. (laughs) As it should be. A man that he deemed his brother, who in this game, had a double-double with 17 shot attempts. 12 points and 11 rebounds on 6 of 17 shooting. He took six threes in the only I game mean, he'll ever have free reign, and he missed all it, six It of also them. might be his last game, too. I oh, mean, no, no one's
1: going to care that Udonis Haslam probably. retires, except probably. for Heat fans, but it's probably it might be his last game, too.
2: He got free reign to take threes in this one. Missed it was, all six of them. It was but nice to see. Good career for Udonis Haslam <laughs> in terms of loyalty. <laughs>
1: It was nice to see LeBron, Carmelo, and uh, Chris Paul on the sideline for Dwayne Wade.
2: I was disappointed in Carmelo Anthony, you see. He gets a loose ball out of bounds, and he takes a step into the corner. He, he he pump fakes and drops the ball instead of shooting it. Do you know how excited the crowd would have been if Carmelo hit a three and you know bench?
1: Do you know how, how much he would have gotten lit up on Twitter if he I would have airballed understand. it or missed
2: it? If he airballed it, his career chance of coming back is done. But if he hit it... He gets a job next season. Yeah, okay. I can already
1: see the the quote tweets of Carmelo missing the, the, the uh, shot and people being like, that's why he doesn't have a job. Carmelo's trash, blah, blah, blah. So I, it was best for him that he just didn't take it. Just leave it up to the imagination. Another thing that bothered me about Carmelo, though, is that he's probably not going to get one of these games. He's probably not going to get the farewell tour that Kobe got or that D-Wade got. He's not going to get the 30-point game in the final tragic game of your, seat, of your career that D-Wade got or that Dirk got or that Kobe got. And I feel like he definitely deserves it. And it's really a tragedy that he's not going to get it. Um, Do I think he's going to get signed by a team next season? No. I honestly think Carmelo is never going to play another NBA game. I think if
2: he announces that he retires, the Nuggets or Knicks are going to offer to him, we'll give you a 10-day to end the season and let you play 48 minutes in the last game of your career, and then that's it. And he doesn't play if they're a playoff team. He doesn't play, again, if they miss the playoff. That's (laughs) his last game. And they'll just give him one. I think he will get that game if he if he says he's retiring.
1: I don't think he gets the game, which is really sad because he's gonna is he a Hall of Famer? Probably.
2: I mean even though it depends if you consider Vince Carter a Hall of Famer, they are on the same level to me.
1: Yeah, I'd probably put both of them in the Hall of Fame. And do I think Vince Carter's gonna get his farewell tour? Probably not, but he's definitely gonna get that. That last final game where everyone's giving him respect and Vince adoration. Vince Carter's
2: had these last final seasons. <laughs> he's going strong at forty two years old. I'm pretty
1: sure he said next year is gonna be his final season, but yes. Carmelo didn't even get that. Like his his career just ended. Just so abruptly. But, yeah, we're really not going to go into specifics when it comes to the Heat game. The Nets clinched their playoffs against the Pacers, and this was just their last game of the season. They ended the season on a three-game win streak. And, uh, yeah, uh, farewell to D-Wade, Dirk Nowitzki, and uh, hopefully Carmelo Anthony, too. Um, Next, we're going to go into, basically, we just want to touch on... uh, Magic Johnson's comments on D'Angelo Russell. So if you didn't know, like if you don't pay attention to Lakers news, it's not even really Lakers news. It's basically NBA news. It was all over. Um, Magic Johnson basically abruptly stepped down from his position of president of basketball operations for the Lakers. And uh, on his way out, he was asked about uh, D'Angelo Russell and if basically if he regrets trading him because that was basically the first move that he did for the Lakers. And Magic basically went on to say, uh, "D'Lo." He knew that Dilo was a born pure scorer, but he wasn't mature enough to really be of use for the Lakers, so that's why they traded him, and now he's more mature. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know what 21-year-old is is supposed to just step in the league and be the pinnacle of of maturity, but um, I honestly don't think that there was a problem with the way D'Angelo Russell acted. Everyone knows about the, the, the Nick Young debacle, but if that's the reason you traded him because he was a locker room cancer in that situation, then I honestly think that's what you should say instead of talking about his maturity. But, um,
2: are there people who are more professional and mature than others? Yes. Like, all the Lakers young players are not mature even I mean, today.
1: Alonzo's in a Alonzo's in a, but, a new story then again, every ten days. And again,
2: you have players like Luka Doncic. It's not fair because he played pro ball in in Europe, so he's already had experience. But you have guys like Jalen Brown when he came in, and you have Ben Simmons. I don't know about Ben, ben Simmons. Simmons he's in a different. A bit, but he's
1: in a different Kardashian story yeah. every two months. But, so I don't know if Ben Simmons is the symbol of maturity.
2: But Marvin Bagley this season, people like that who are staying out of the news and just playing basketball. If Magic, I guess that's what he wanted—someone who did that well and stayed out of the news and led his team—but that's not well. Really his possible.
1: current point guard right now is in the news every other day. So his current point guard right now, his father speaks the most blasphemous of things. Yet that isn't a a tick on his character. I,
2: I honestly believe he just couldn't. He didn't want to
1: admit he was wrong. That that's Magic Johnson. And for someone who didn't tell their boss and supposed sister that he was stepping down before he did it, I don't. I don't think he has much room to speak on maturity because that was one of the most immature things I'd ever seen and did not expect that out of a president of basketball operations but yeah that was our little rant just defending d'angelo russell's honor and uh now we're gonna get into basically i just want to say um if you guys didn't know uh the kings fired dave yeager their head coach and the grizzlies fired jb bickerstaff and demoted their gm at the end of the season and i just want to say that it's a it's so great for the nets to have a a Sean Marks, and a Kenny Atkinson.
2: More so Sean Marks. He's proven to be a, a great GM, and he knows when to make the right and wrong moves. Atkinson is not a bad head coach by any means, but there are better head coaches, but I think he's pretty stable for now.
1: And I think that it's so important for these Nets young players to have that and be able to look around the league at all the turmoil and be comfortable in the spot that they're at because they know that they have some sort of stability. And that's what I feel like Sean Marks and Kenny Eggson have done a great job of doing, ensuring their players that that they're there for them no matter what and building a sort of culture that they can be proud of. Um, So now we're going to really get into the Nets making the playoffs Probably what all you guys are waiting for. Uh, what does it mean for the Nets to make the playoffs? I think it's a success. The season is a success for the that's, Nets. That's
2: what we said from the first day. As long as they make the playoffs, they're they're going in the right direction.
1: Because at the at the beginning of the season, we all wanted the
2: net. The, that that did anyone really think the Nets were going to be good enough to make the playoffs? Not really. The common basketball fans still saw the Nets as a joke and the, the Knicks were the team of New York. And this season proved no. that The Knicks are absolutely horrible and the Nets are the team of New York as of right now.
1: And let's not forget, Karis LeVert had a gruesome injury and the Nets lost eight straight games. And people basically wrote them off. And now here they are in the playoffs as the sixth seed. And I think it just is a testament to how hard this team fights and how much they have each other's backs. And I feel like it was a, it, the season was a success because now they can go to free agents this offseason and tell them, hey, we were already the 6th seed without you. We already have an established all-star here in D'Angelo Russell and someone that might have made the all-star game at Karis LeVert. So if you come... We could be a top four seed, a top three seed, a top two seed. They now have something. They now have a leverage over free agents because they can show them, like, we've done it without you. So it will be even better when you it, come it's and join honestly us.
2: honestly going to depend if a free agent wants to play with D'Angelo Russell. It's going to be a personality thing. Do they want to play with him? Like,
1: I mean, I don't know anyone that wouldn't. The man's a monster. He's great.
2: And the team has, has grown the reputation of having the most fun bench in the league. That's probably going to be the same. Shout thing out next to Theo season, Pinson, who got signed for the season after the G League season ended. And I do believe that if a player wants to stay out of the spotlight, they'll stay out of Brooklyn. If a player wants to be in the spotlight, he'll join this team. Cause D'Lo is about the spotlight.
1: And let's not forget that the team went from twenty and sixty-two to forty-two and forty in just two seasons. Two seasons ago, the Nets couldn't even win more than 20 games, and now they're the sixth seed in the playoffs. They've been able to bounce back from the worst trade in NBA history, haven't, made their own, haven't had their own pick since 2013, six years ago. They have, they have an amazing player development staff. That, that's, that was a sad trade. That was a sad Exactly, trade. though. But they've been able to bounce back. And now they're the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference of the NBA playoffs. And this season was a tremendous success. On to the series versus the Sixers. I just want to say that although the race between the sixth and eighth seed was so tight, I think that it's great that the Nets is the sixth seed because it just looks better. Like, it does just look better being the 6th seed than it does being the 8th seed.
2: Also, the Sixers is the easiest matchup out of the top four. I agree.
1: Especially with Joel Embiid's injury problems, which
2: we're about to get into. They are five deep. Their bench is bad. (laughs) They are literally five deep. Their bench is bad.
1: The, the oh, Just a shout out, the Nets play their first uh, playoff game on Saturday. All their games are on TNT or ESPN. No NBA TV games, so they're getting some respect in that aspect. And, uh, yeah, let's get into the matchup. So the the big cloud hovering over this matchup is basically Joel Embiid's
2: status. He's going to play. So whether he's I don't healthy know. or not matters He might not play game one. He's going to play a majority oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah, the yeah. series. He's, gonna, he's, not, he's not out the season. Game one will be the most he is out. And if they win that, the series is over. If the Nets win that, there's a chance the Nets go in the series.
1: So, Joel Embiid's status is up in the air. He's dealing with a knee injury. Brett Brown doesn't know if he's playing. He doesn't know if he's playing. And uh, Philly was 8-10 and 10 without him this year. The Sixers' starting lineup and the Nets' starting lineup, how do they match up? So, the Sixers' death lineup has only played 10 games together. So that death lineup being Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris. Well, Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid. That's a pretty sick lineup when you think about it. And they're super big. They have a ton of length. How do the Nets match up with that? D'Angelo Russell, Joe Harris, Rodion's crooks. Do you start Karis Levert? Do you keep bringing him off the bench? Damari Carroll, Damari Carroll and Jared Allen? I don't see if Joel Embiid plays, and he's Joel Embiid and not hindered by his knee. I don't see
2: any way in which the Nets. Unfortunately, win this game. he's going to make Jared Allen look really, really, really bad. He's really going bad. to
1: make Jared Allen look horrible. And and he makes a ton of centers look bad. Yeah, that's not yes. any shade to Jared that's Allen. That's
2: just how good Embiid is. Also, unfortunately, because of size, there's a chance D'Angelo Russell gets made a fool by Ben Simmons too. I mean,
1: they're probably going to put Jimmy Butler on him.
2: No, no, I'm talking about, like... On the defensive end? Yes, but I don't know if he'll guard him. They might... He'd probably I'll guard J.J. Redick. But then who is Joe Harris guarding? Joe Harris on Ben Simmons? That's not right. <laughs> I That's mean, they right. don't they
1: don't match up. The, the Sixers are a the, matchup. nightmare. The thing about the
2: Celtics that they do when they play the Sixers is they think outside the box. The Celtics put Al Horford on Ben Simmons, and then on Embiid, they'll bring in Haynes, uh, Baines, or Dice, Someone... Bigger and let Horford play on Simmons, so that someone with size is on Simmons. The Nets can do that, but it would have to be Carroll or Caruax ghost Simmons the whole game. Uh, they could also play a
1: zone. I remember that they in their last matchup they put Rondae Hollis Jefferson on Joel Embiid, and he was actually having a decent amount of success. But at the end of the day, no one's going to stop Joel Embiid and he's going to get his. The way
2: I see it is you want Jimmy Butler to beat you. That is the, I, I don't care what anyone says, he is, he, he could be the third best player in their starting lineup. He is the worst offensive option in their starting lineup behind J.J. Redding. J.J. Reddick can score 30 points and hit 10 threes in a game if you leave him open. You want Jimmy Butler to beat you until he proves that he belongs on this team and can be the same player he was with Chicago and Minnesota with them.
1: I, the 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 Nets and the Sixers played each other four times this season. They went two and two, so they tied in the season series. And uh, the Nets did manage to win one game on the road versus the Sixers. Um, my final prediction. It really depends on whether or not Joel B plays game one because the Nets are big on momentum. So if they can win that game one on the road, that's huge because it takes away the home court advantage for the 76ers. And I really want to wait and see. But if I have to choose now, I'm going to go Sixers in six.
2: I was also going to say Sixers in six, but uh, if, the, if the Nets win, it would be in six as well because... Game six would be at their home court. I, so, do, I
1: do want to say, though, if Joel Embiid doesn't play, I'm going If Joel Embiid doesn't play the first game.
2: And the Nets win, I believe the Nets, Nets win in six. six. If Joel Embiid does play the first I, game, Sixers in six. I don't see the series going seven. That's the, I don't think it will go seven either way.
1: I do think that this is the biggest potential for an upset in the Eastern Conference first round.
2: I'll tell you that the Raptors are going to destroy the Magic. The Bucks are absolutely going to destroy the Pistons. And the Celtics are going to destroy the Pacers. So I feel like if we're going
1: to get an upset, it's right here. And I just have one more question for you and everyone listening. If the Nets get swept or if they just lose. No, but let's split it up. If the Nets lose, will you be disappointed? No. no. I think they did what they needed to do by making it to the playoffs.
2: They surpass expectations if they make it past the first round, even win two games in the playoffs.
1: Everyone, of course, wants them to get out of the first round. D'Angelo Russell said he wants to make some noise in the playoffs, and that's admirable. But I also won't be disappointed at all if they lose. And the bottom
2: line is, if they make it out of the first round, great. They're still going to lose the next round.
1: Even if they get swept, I won't be disappointed.
2: Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'll, I'll be slightly disappointed. I want them to take a game, but I, I think the season's a success anyway. You dice it up at this point.
1: So yeah, we're gonna be doing more frequent podcasts as the Nets get into the playoffs and play the Sixers. First game on Saturday. We can't wait. Stay tuned on Joel and Beat status because that is a huge, huge, huge point. Coming into the game But lastly We're going to dive into our Total playoff predictions For the entire NBA And so, uh, we're going to start With the Eastern Conference The way we'll
2: do this is The first two matchups In in the the East And then when they play each other So we'll get the first Eastern Conference final And then the next two matchups Same thing So first Bucks Pistons Bucks win 4-0 I say Bucks
1: win in 4 Yeah I say the Bucks sweep the Pistons They're lucky to even be here
2: and the Celtics Pacers, Celtics win
1: four one. I say the Celtics win in six because I, I feel like you're under, underestimating the Pacers.
2: They are not strong enough. The I, Celtics are nine deep. The Pacers are not good. I mean, you did lose Marcus Smart. That so let's not for forget this
1: series. That's irrelevant. I'm gonna say the Pacers take you six, but the Celtics end up winning in six.
2: And then Bucks Celtics Bucks in seven. Bucks in seven seven. I'm gonna say the Bucks win in five. To be completely honest, I don't. They're not gonna no, 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 no. have Brogdon back, and we will have Smart back. I'm That's gonna the say issue. the
1: Bucks win in six. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna gonna shortchange the Celtics like that. Bucks in six.
2: Also, Hayward's back. In case you were wondering, okay, like yeah, back. yeah. Hayward's okay, Hayward's back. back. Yeah, yeah, copy. And then uh, we have
1: so that yeah we have the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, I have the Bucks in the Eastern Conference. We both
2: have the Bucks yes. in the Eastern Conference
1: Finals. Sixers, Nets,
2: ah. Sixers and six,
1: Sixers and six. I agree.
2: Raptors win in four over the Magic. Raptors beat the Sixers in five games.
1: For me, Raptors win in four over the Magic. Raptors beat the Sixers in.
2: The Raptors are way better than yeah. the Sixers. I say the five Raptors games. beat the Sixers in five too. And then the Raptors beat the Bucks in six games.
1: I say the Raptors and Bucks go seven with the Raptors winning and making the, making the NBA Finals. So we have the Raptors coming out of the east, both sides, and uh, now we're on to the west. Warriors, Clippers, Warriors in four. Easy. Yep, four. Four blowouts. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Warriors, Clippers, Warriors in four, and not even a sweat for them. Rockets, Jazz?
2: Oh. I go Rockets All in right, so, six. Rockets so in put six. it this way. It's Mitchell versus Harden, Gobert versus Capella, Who versus Chris Paul. That's that's where it. Raoulito. That <laughs> Ricky Rubio. That's where it defers. So I say Rockets in seven.
1: I say Rockets in six, and then Warriors Rockets. It sucks that they have to play each other in the second round.
2: Warriors in six.
1: Warriors in seven for me. I say the Rockets, and that sucks because the Rockets and the Warriors should face each other in the Western Conference Finals.
2: But Oh, don't worry. They'll have a good opponent in the Western Conference Finals, <laughs> too. I got it ready.
1: Okay, so I have Warriors in seven, which makes the Warriors the first team in the Western Conference Finals. Yep. Um, Blazers, Oklahoma City Thunder. Thunder in five. Thunder. Uh, I have the Thunder, too, but I don't know how thunder many and games. Thunder in five. I'm going to go with Thunder in six just because I give Dame two
2: games. Uh, so Remember, we have... they got swept last year, and now they don't have Nurkic. So. True,
1: true. So, th- I'm still going with Thunder and six. Uh, Nuggets, Spurs,
2: I have Nuggets and uh, six. See, Nuggets and seven. See, the Nuggets can really come out and be the largest disappointment in the playoffs if they get smoked by the Spurs, which is possible. It's definitely possible. DeRozan has experience. Aldridge has experience. Popovich has experience. Yes, and the Nuggets have nothing. The Nuggets have nothing. (laughs) They have no experience except Paul Millsap and Isaiah Thomas who rides the bench. So I'm still going to go Nuggets in seven. I will say Nuggets, and I will give it seven. I think they're going to have to play their heart out to even make it out of the first round if they do.
1: So, so far, me and Hunter have the same teams, just different games that we have them winning. It's going to be the same throughout, likely. And then we have uh, Thunder versus Nuggets. I have the Thunder in six. Six. Yep, Thunder and six, and then for the Western Conference Finals, Warriors versus Thunder. Warriors, Warriors and in five. Warriors and five for One, me. One, two, three, four finals. What? <laughs> Warriors and five for me. Send the Thunder packing, and then uh, Warriors versus Ra- Raptors.
2: Warriors and five. I give Kawhi a game.
1: Warriors Raptors NBA Finals. I'm gonna say Warriors in seven. I'm look, going look, Warriors in seven.
2: I know Spicy P's been good and all. He ain't saving the day. Warriors in five.
1: Warriors in... If anyone plays NBA 2K... They know how sick the Raptors are on that game.
2: <laughs> yeah, the so 2K makes the Raptors the best team in the NBA by far. Kawhi wins finals MVP
1: every year. The Raptors sweep whatever team they there play. There are
2: some Sims where Kawhi wins like five straight <laughs> MVP awards with the Raptors. They really love Kawhi. In so
1: I'm going to go with the 2K Sim, and I'm going to say that the, Warriors, the Raptors take the Warriors 7, but the Warriors end up winning the NBA finals yet again for the 3P. Right before Four they uh, out of five. Right before they break everything up and uh, KD and uh, Clay go their own ways.
2: I don't think Clay's leaving KD. Maybe, maybe Draymond. I don't know.
1: But uh, yeah, we both have the Warriors winning. Wait, question: If they leave
2: over under thirty three points per game for Steph Curry? If if, who if KD leaves? leaves alone, over under thirty three points per game for Steph Curry and and Cousins. That's a given.
1: I don't think DeMarcus is staying either.
2: Yeah, if KD and Cousins leave, so over I'm, under thirty three points for. Steph. If he
1: scores thirty three a game, he's probably winning
2: the. He's probably winning MVP. I think he'll get another MVP if KD leaves. Uh, if KD stays, he's never. I'm gonna go enough.
1: under, but I'll say he wins MVP the
2: next year. But I don't think he averages thirty three. I believe they'll make the playoffs as a high seed, regardless. of I think who's th- there. I feel like they'll be like a three seed, and he'll average what Harden's averaging similarly. Uh, and Harden's not about to be MVPs. So. Not 36, but like 32 with with similar numbers. And uh, But Giannis did have a freakishly good. Yeah, game. Giannis,
1: this is the beginning of his reign of terror. Probably going to win his first of many MVPs. And, uh, yeah, that's our playoff predictions. Don't forget, Nets play the Sixers Saturday, the first game of the day around 2 p.m., 2.30 p.m., Stay tuned for Joel Embiid's status coming into the game because that's going to be a huge point of conversation and a huge thing that that is going to factor into who wins and who loses this series. Hope you guys enjoyed. The Nets are in the playoffs, baby. Woo-woo! Woo! I hope you guys are excited. Make sure you guys subscribe to us on iTunes. You can look up Brooklyn Nets. You can look up Hootball Nets. We come up either way. Press that subscribe button. Leave a five star rating. Leave a review. All reviews are getting read on the podcast. Feel free to ask us questions on Twitter. You can follow us at Hootball Nets on Twitter. We'll answer them on the pod. And uh, yeah, shout out to Winehouse Kona Coffee Company for sponsoring this podcast and every other Hootball podcast. You can follow your hosts on Twitter. I'm at Najee Adams underscore. If you don't know how to spell Najee, it's N-A-J-E-E Adams underscore. Hunter is at Hunter underscore J-K-R on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We'll see you in the playoffs.